I'm Lisa Beach. And I'm Shannon Walker. And you're listening to Frequency. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Frequency.fm podcast. I am your host today, Joe Brookhouse. I just want to let you all know that uh, Dan's got the week off. We've got a, a lot of content. I, I suspect that you guys are all feeling inundated with the podcast of late. We've just been working really hard. We've conducted a lot of interviews, and we don't want to slow things down. We want to keep those uh, coming at you, and we don't want those interviews to get stale. So this means we'll be posting more frequently it also means that the logistics of arranging times to re- record a podcast become a little more challenging for Dan and I. As you're likely aware, Dan is located in Prince Edward Island in Canada, which is the Atlantic time zone. I, however, am on the West Coast in the Portland, Oregon metropolitan area in a little place called West Lynn. That means I'm in the Pacific time zone. The result is a four-hour time difference for Dan and I, so with all the content that we want to get out there, Occasionally, Dan or I will record a podcast solo, and that's the case this week. So today, I'm sharing with you an interview with Preston Sprinkle. He's a professor, speaker, and author. He teaches Bible at Eternity Bible College in Simi Valley, California. And he formerly taught at Cedarville University in Ohio and Nottingham University in the UK. He's the author of several academic books and articles, and uh, he's the author of a New York Times bestselling book, Erasing Hell, which he co-authored with Francis Chan. I sat down with Preston and we chatted about his most recent book, Fight, A Christian Case for Nonviolence. If you listened to our recent interview with Shannon Walker and Lisa Beach, you heard Lisa discuss the launch of this book and the timeliness of the subject matter. Preston and I have an engaging discussion on the subject of this book, why now is the right time to discuss it, and also uh, we get his thoughts on the craft of writing. So we'll get over to the interview, but I want to encourage you to stick around until the end, because on the other side of that, we'll tell you about a giveaway that we don't think you'll want to miss. So let's get to the interview, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Hey, good morning. This is Joe Brookhouse from Frequency. We have a special guest today. We're joined by professor of Bible at Eternity Bible College and author Preston Sprinkle, uh, who also happens to be a surfer. Anything else you want to throw in there in terms of uh, roles? (laughs) Former baseball player, my glory days. Really? Okay, so, yeah, well, yeah you're good. Ah, save it, save it, save it. Just yeah, keep going. Okay. And so we're going to be talking today about uh, the recently released book, Fight, A Christian Case for Nonviolence. And we're also going to talk about just writing in general. Before we get uh, too deep into the subject matter, because it can be pretty provocative, how about just a quick bit of background on yourself for the audience? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a professor at Eternity Bible College. I've uh, been teaching at the college level for about six years now and uh, married with four kids live in Southern California I was born and raised in Southern California so we uh, we've been around the world been to Ohio and Scotland and uh, my wife's from France originally so we love to travel uh, love missions and uh, loving life right now 
Cool. Now, I already heard two things there that are going to get you in trouble. One is you're from California, and <laughs> two, uh, your wife is from France. All right, yeah. Okay, so sure. you're... Okay, she has no uh, political ties. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there because I'm like, oh, nonviolence, California, France. Yeah. I mean, you've already lost half the people right there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> i got to throw that out there. Well, but the other thing that I was reading in the book is that your father uh, spent 17 years on LAPD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was something you were actually considering for yourself. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, for, for the most for many years as a Christian, never, never even considered it as an ethical, let me say potential ethical dilemma. In fact, it wasn't until a few years ago when I talked to a, a good friend of mine who's, who's a cop, and he said that a Christian friend of his was really wrestling with whether, whether he should be a cop as a Christian. Even then, I was like, why, why would he consider that? And then it was my friend that kind of said, well, he's wrestling with, you know, what if he has to kill somebody? And you know, I never really thought of. It. I just thought, well, if you're a cop, that's what you do. It doesn't really matter whether you're a Christian, Muslim, and if you're, you know, if, if that's your vocation, that's just what you have to do. And it was really recently when I kind of said, well, wait a minute, do our is there a place for evaluating our vocation from a Christian perspective? Um, but the, the cops are a tough one because cops are good guys. They're 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 you know they're they're called to administer justice with the minimum use of force necessary. You know, so. Um, and I wrestle with that in the book, and, and I and I do actually think a Christian can be a cop, uh, but I do think that, that there could be some some very intense situations where where they may have to make some hard choices because of their Christian um, calling. Well, I throw that out there right out of the gate because I don't want people to be immediately dismissive of you, you know. To you know, when when you hear a case for nonviolence, uh, I'll admit that. The first thing, and I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm in Pacific Northwest. I'm a Portlander, so oh, okay. you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not from Portlandia, the TV show. So I'm not quite like that. I'm fairly moderate in my views on things, but, um, you know, it, it could be pretty easy to be dismissive and say, okay, well, some left-leaning whack job eats granola, yeah. wears sandals, you know, and chants on a regular basis. But, um, you know, you've got some credentials behind you there that suggests that this is yeah. not necessarily the position that you started at. Um, well, before I go too far down there, why don't you give us a, you know, a, a quick premise about the book yeah. and maybe a little bit about why you decided now is the right time to write it. The, the book, um, when it comes to violence, almost every single conversation I've had with Christians, conservative Bible-believing Christians, when I would ask them the question, when, I, when we're wrestling together with the question of can a Christian ever use violence? And we talk about the intruder at the door, you know, or going or, or serving in the military. I don't know if I've ever, and I, and I mean this in all honesty, and I've had many, many conversations, um, and, and maybe there's been one or two exceptions, but for the most part, I, I rarely, if ever, hear Christians go to the Bible first, wrestle with the text, and then give an answer. It's always, well, somebody's going to harm my family. I'm going to, I'm going to blow his head off. Like, and I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that would be fine. Maybe Jesus would be right there pulling the trigger with you, you know. Um, but at least let's give God's, you know, God says a lot of things about violence. He says some very hard things about violence, especially in the New Testament. And uh, and we know that the Christianity has a very counterintuitive ethic. You know, a widow with two pieces of silver gives one to the temple offering. You know, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to eat my flesh, drink my blood, and, and carry an electric chair around with you. For <laughs> you know, I mean, he says a lot of things that are like, whoa, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know. So it, it became very frustrating that Christians that would pound the pulpit saying, 
Bible, 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 you know, and they're screaming at homosexuals and, you know, t- talking about end times and all this stuff and going to the Bible. When it comes to violence, all of a sudden they, they, they never think of opening the Bible and it became very frustrating for me because I was genuinely, I was genuinely wrestling with that. I didn't have all the answers, but I, I want to know what does the text say? Um, and what I'm describing here is probably four or five years ago up until now, really. And so a few years ago, I, I, I wrote a, um, a blog series on Christians and violence and it readership just blew up. And it was the same thing. I got all these pushbacks little that had little to nothing to do with the Bible. And I was like, man, I feel like there's a, a book that needs to be written here talking specifically about what does the Bible say about violence. So a uh, long story short, I look at Genesis revelation and ask the question, is it ever okay for a Christian to use violence? And that's a, uh, that's a pretty, timely topic right now considering a lot of the this, the dialogue yeah. about Syria and I'm and I'm not going to push you on Syria I don't want to put you on the uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to put you out there but I would suggest you know you've had some um, updates on your blog where you've addressed that subject uh, mm-hmm. and you seem to be writing pretty prolifically uh, on your blog as well um, yeah. so I encourage people to take a look at what you you're writing there because I think it's very thoughtful and very fair the way you address some some topics there. But I'll also say that it doesn't seem, when you consider what the topics that I read that you're addressing on your blog, considering the, the book that you co-authored with Francis Chan about hell, and then this book, that you're, you're not shying away from some yeah. con- controversial or um, provocative topics. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, people always ask, do you like the controversial topics? And, and for me, it's not. Topics become hot and controversial because lots of people are interested in them and there's lots of disagreement. And so it's not that I love controversy necessarily. I just want to write about things that people are interested in. Um, You know, I spent three years doing a PhD on the interpretation of Leviticus 18.5b. (laughs) And I already fell asleep. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And it was actually very fascinating. At the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to benefit from this. Maybe ultimately there's going to be some payoff, and there has been. There really has. Uh, we, we can maybe another podcast. But, yeah. you know, I just, um, I love the Bible. I love the study. You know, I, I went to get a Ph.D. in Bible so that I can help the church think biblically through issues. And so I almost feel that I have, um, you know, and not to overly spiritualize it, but I almost feel like I have a calling by God to use the scholarly background he's allowed me to have to to help the church think through some of these very hard topics, you know. So, yeah, the next book on tap is Homosexuality, which um, I'm, I'm sure we, you'll have me back here and next year and we can talk through that. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. That'll be great. Yeah, uh, there's questions surrounding these topics. So. I think it's important to view any of these topics from an objective uh, Bible centric perspective because, and I, and I can tell you that I, you know, I have personal stake in some of these topics and it's, and it's difficult to separate the emotion 
from yeah. what is there. And I think it's important to be open enough to take what's objectively laid out there. There are certain things that are black and white, some things that are open to interpretation, and to be yeah. and to be clear about where, what you're staking your opinion on. And uh, I, I would say that that's something that I found you handled very well in the book. I'll tell you, one of the first things that I struggled with when I started the book, but let me stop that. Let me, uh, let me just tell you how the book showed up. Um, okay. Lisa Beach sent me a yeah. stack of books, right? Okay. So I pull them out and I see Fight, A Christian Case for Nonviolence. Oh boy, you know, <laughs> so I, am I gonna open this up? And my father-in-law, who's from Texas, Oh, man. was yeah. uh, due to show up at my house in about three days. And I went, I need to hide this book. <laughs> uh, but then I thought, no, no, this is interesting. So I, I fold it open, and the first thing I see is you're addressing Old Testament, um, bloodshed, warfare, atrocities. I'm like, okay, I better read this book. Um, because, uh, you know, you just never know what you're going to get when you pick something up. So anyway, I wanted to throw that out there. Now to get back to my question, which it, it, you start at the beginning to talk about you have to balance being academic and including all your your sources and all this information with somebody being able to actually read this book and get something yeah. from it. So t talk to me a little bit about how your approach to writing this, you're, you're, you're trying to yeah. achieve a balance there. Yeah, that that's my heart. Um, I, I uh, yeah, I could talk a lot about I mean, this. This is this is uh, something that is I, I'm most passionate about is you know um, again living in the scholarly world for for a few years. Um, there's a lot of very interesting things being con, you know discussed on the skull in, in the ivory tower. You know, and you yeah. have scholars together talking about stuff, and and I still I find a lot of that interesting. And, and I often thought, well, a lot of what you're saying. If, if you translate it, you know, you could actually help the church. Like, this is very fascinating. You know, but I'm reading scholarly books. I'm like, I can't even understand what you're saying, you know. Um, and even scholars that try to write for the masses, they still, when they do, maybe they shorten their sentences, but they're still very boring, quite honestly. Oh, they're absolutely. Still, like, the normal person doesn't know what you're saying here. But then I read non-scholars trying to tackle you know, hard issues, and I'm just pulling my hair out thinking, you know, have you read this? Have you read that? Have you thought about this? And, and, and they're not thinking critically. So my life desire is to bridge that gap, it is to um, be able to take hard issues and interact on the scholarly level, but then in my writing, to just write to the normal person, where the normal person's not even going to under... They may not even look at my footnotes and see where I'm getting this from, but... I know, and, and the people that are more scholarly know that every sentence I write is very, I, I cross-check it with, you know, tons of books and articles and, and other people and make sure that what I'm saying is as accurate as it possibly can be. have found is I've read uh, other books that yeah. either I'm frustrated because it's so dry that I don't care or right. that it's so surface level that yeah. I feel it's dismissive and it's even difficult to believe 
believe what I'm reading because it just seems so right. so shallow. So I, right. I, I really found that as I was reading yours, um, there were times when I was going, oh, man, I wish you'd go deeper there. And then I go, no, 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 wait a minute. This yeah. is about the right level to be. You're, yeah. you're yeah. Um, tapping into that curiosity where if I want to know more, yeah, I, I've got the source. I can go dig in deeper. So I think you did a great job on that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, the big concern at the end of the book was I, I went probably 20,000 words over my proposed limit. <laughs> and and on, on the, you know, popular level, the trade level, that they like the book shorter, you know, um, and mine just made it over 300 pages. And so it actually was about 350. I, I weeded out a lot of stuff, and especially I cut probably at least, I would say at least half of my footnotes. And there's a lot of footnotes as there is, but there is a lot more. Um, I kept having to tell myself, I'm not writing to scholars. I'm not writing to scholars. I don't need to answer all the questions that scholars are going to raise. But it, it is hard for me because I'm, I'm like, man, I just made this statement. And, you know, I made a couple, I footnoted one, you know, but it's like, this is a massive thing I'm saying here. And But again, um, yeah, people can chase down some of the sources if, if, uh, if they want to know more. When I interview songwriters, a lot of things they talk about is learning to review your own material critically and then removing yep. the things that aren't adding to the overall message. So that sounds like that's a lot of what that process is like for you. Yeah, for, for me, it's um, I, I read a lot of books on writing and um, and listen to you know uh, classes and podcasts and stuff. And one of the, the major major principles that everybody hits on is it, if something doesn't contribute necessary like directly to your argument, then then get it out. You know, like, so don't. Don't clutter up what you're trying to say with things that aren't absolutely essential. Um, and, and so that's, you know, when I have a rough draft or, you know, a rough, rough draft, you know, I, I just start cutting and hacking and, and I create a new document. So I'm not, that material's not lost, but I'm like, okay, can, can I get by without it so that I'm being as concise as I can? And one of the things that I'm really committed to doing, and I, you can probably tell in the, in the preface, is... Um, Especially with controversial books, I will get at least 10, 20, 30, 40 people to look at it, half of whom I, I give that I know are going to disagree with me. So I had a, a lot of people read. I had, you know, military vets. I had, you know, scholars, historians, ethicists, philosophers, Old Testament scholars, New Testament scholars, all these people read it and give me, you know, sometimes very ferocious feedback, sometimes very encouraging. Most of the time it's somewhere in between. So... I believe that writing, good writing, should be done in community. That that we need the input of other people. I don't care how well you think your book is; it's it's going to be better if you get the input of other people uh, at the time, especially critical feedback. So that's 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 I, I would say that's essential to my writing is is gathering a community of fellow writers. That's good. It. I think people people need to hear that. I think a lot of times there's a certain fear of criticism that we have and will avoid. Yeah. Uh, naysaying or oppositional feedback for the sake of wanting to feel good about what we've written. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I spent a number of years working for a newspaper, and one of the first things I had to get used to was that my editor would take what I labored over for hours with a big red pen and go, we don't need that paragraph, and go, oh, you're killing me, man. <laughs> like a cut off a finger. <laughs> uh, I know. But you get used to it. You, you start to realize and start to look at your own stuff in a more critical light when you allow other people to, to take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask something else related uh, to audience. One of the things I thought of is 
my father-in-law. You know, here's a guy, you know, that is, he's a hunter. Uh, he's um, very conservative. You know, I know that he's, he, he records Glenn Beck on his DVR. And, uh, but it would seem to me that he would be somebody that would benefit from reading a book like this, which is approached objectively and very Bible-focused. When you were writing this book, were you writing it in such a way that you could address that kind of oppositional viewpoint so those folks would still be able to get something out of it and not be not immediately dismiss what you've written? Yes, I, I, I very much did. And, and it wasn't a, a rhetorical move. It truly is, again, going back to my heart of um, looking at what does the Bible say, not my upbringing, not my emotions, not my political bent. And that's why, as you know, the, you know, the first chapter I talk about, I own guns, I hunt, um, I listen to country music. I've, ne- I've never voted Democrat. I am uh, reformed theologically. I went to Master's Seminary, home of John MacArthur, and all, all these things. And I, and I don't even, I mean, it sounds bad, but I, I actually like violent movies. Sometimes I feel guilty. In fact, well, just the other night, I was watching a, 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 a show um, called Snitch with uh, D- D- is it Dwayne Johnson, that big, huge, like... Oh, yeah, The Rock, yeah. I was so frustrated because he never he never hit anybody the whole movie. You have all this raw power, and it just went to waste. And one time, he even got beat up, and I felt myself very frustrated. And then I was like, why am I frustrated? Like, it was actually very nonviolent. Well, I mean, he blew a couple people away, but, you know, it was just... <laughs> so there's nothing... I mean, emotionally, I actually want to rip the head off of somebody harming somebody else. So, so yes, I have every right to not be nonviolent. Or I have everything going for me to not want to advocate for nonviolence. And why do I talk about that in the book? Because I want to show people that I am not coming at this with you know, the, the hippie sandal granola rainbow flag waving Portlander. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, is, that is not me at all. And again, what's the point? The point is, what does the Bible say? Not Ronald Reagan, not, you know, Texas law, not, you know, what does the Bible say? Um, and, and, and honestly, the un, one of the underlying explorations or challenges I'm trying to make in the book has really nothing to do with violence. It has to do with are we truly seeking to read the Bible for what it says? Um, I, I think there are a few elephant-in-the-room issues within the evangelical church that we keep pounding the pulpit, Bible, 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 but then we have these areas in life that are, we, we don't want to evaluate biblically. And I think this is, this is one glaring one. And again, I'm not saying you have to arrive at my position, but some of the hyper-militaristic, you know, I'm going to blow the head off anybody who tries to harm, you know, some of that mindset is so blatantly distant from the Bible that it's, it's almost embarrassing, you know. Um, and so that's the, the book is ultimately, whatever, whatever the issue challenge, can we clear aside the clutter and read the Bible for what it says? Tell me about what you enjoy yourself reading and how you kind of, what, I mean, you just mentioned a movie that you, you enjoyed. And um, we, we won't judge you for that. But, I mean, what do you enjoy reading? What do you, what do you enjoy consuming as somebody who um, is just as an individual and not necessarily a scholar? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I uh, Most of the books that I read have something to do with what I'm writing about. Um, yeah. I actually, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy good writing. This is one another one of the frustrating things is um, – Christianity is kind of a weird world where you can have somebody make, you know, be a New York Times bestselling author in, 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 from writing a Christian book, and yet they're not 
they're not a professional writer. They're just, you know, they're not, they're not, they, they just write words on paper. It's clear. It's, it's grammatically correct and everything, but it's just, it's not, then you go read a book by like a journalist or somebody and, you know, and, and like, oh, wow, this is just different. So, so one thing I, I want to do is not just to write about controversial topics and stuff, but actually pay attention, careful attention to the art and craft of writing. You know, I will spend sometimes hours on a statement. <laughs> it sounds weird. Or, you know, I'll search the, the thesaurus for 20 different verbs till I find one that's that's the most vivid, the, the most you know, doesn't draw too much attention to itself and yet captures the, you know, so I think there's a lot of hard work that goes into the craft of writing. Now, given that, as I'm reading for my research, a lot of times I'll read books that are just written well. I'll try and get, you know, books that are somewhat related to the topic, but but are are known as being well-written books um, to help craft my own art, if you will. Yeah, so most of the stuff I read has to do with either something I'm teaching or something I'm writing on. I, I rarely actually have time <laughs> to to read stuff that's totally unrelated, you yeah. know, to anything I'm doing. So when you're when you're in, trying to enjoy something, it's going to be maybe music and movies. Is yeah, that right? movies. I watch a lot. Yeah, usually my wife and I, we you know, at night we're always popping on Netflix and watching something. Or we have four kids, so we don't go to the movies very. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I love music. Um, I, I'm not a thoughtful music listener. I just I like. Well, tell me what's what's in the CD player? What's currently queued up on your uh, on your uh, phone oh, or whatever? Yeah, this is kind of might draw some haters, but I you know I I, uh, I love just like the big ones, U2 and Coldplay, and I listen to a lot of reggae and yeah, you know. I, I, I'll pop on the Pandora, you know, and just get a station that I like, and I'll get all kinds of bands that I've never heard of, but, you know, I enjoy. Um, I enjoy stuff that's creative, you know. Um, I probably shouldn't listen to them either, but, like, you know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know? <laughs> no, we're not judging. I, I interviewed one of the first interviews we did. The guy's like, man, I really love hardcore hip-hop rap, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I think it, uh, we need to not be embarrassed to to enjoy good art on the secular side of things. Otherwise we become so insular that I think it deteriorates the quality of our work. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, a good friend of mine, he's the guy who sits across the desk here. Um, he just wrote a book on, uh, on a a theology of music. And he, he's big thing is dispelling the myth that you have like Christian music and then secular music. And, and he just says that those categories are so incredibly unhelpful, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a brilliant, it's, it'll come out next year. It's, It's called resonate. I think, um, I forget the subtitle. What's his name? Uh, Mark Buvin. Yeah, he often writes on uh, Christianity and the arts, and uh, he, you know, he's on the other hand, you know, I'm not a student of that stuff. I enjoy the discussion, but he very much is a student of that whole area, and he has some great, great seasoned thoughts on it. It's really, really good stuff. people want to know more about what you're up to what's coming up in the future where's a good place to connect yeah. with you yeah uh my facebook or not well facebook and then uh my i got a website press and sprinkle.com 
you can follow me um, on Twitter at Preston Sprinkle and uh, yeah, my Facebook page and uh, yeah, I, I still have my email available on my website. If you want to shoot me an email, we'll, we'll see. I might take that off here pretty soon. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been overwhelming. But you know, there, there's some emails I, I, I would rather not get. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, readily available to, to chat and hang out. So. All right, I'll let you get to teaching, man. I really appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to getting this up. Okay, sounds good. God bless, man. Take care. All right, see you. Okay, that's our interview with Preston Sprinkle. Hope you enjoyed it. It was fun to, to chat with him. Probably could have gone on for a few hours. He's a pretty engaging guy. Obviously knows his Bible, and I really appreciate the approach that he took when he was writing this book. Agree or disagree with him, he's a guy who's very thoughtful in what he's writing. And uh, I think all all writers, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, can really benefit from understanding a, a little bit more about Preston's approach and being willing to share with folks. I think of that with songwriters as well. Let's get, let's get our lyrics out in front of folks and have fo- uh, people take a look at those. Now, uh, let's talk about the giveaway. Thanks to the generous folks at Integrity Music and David C. Cook, who published the book Fight, we're going to be uh, giving away a prize package to one of our listeners. Uh, what's in the package, you might be asking? Well, if you listened uh, to the past two episodes, there are uh, some hints. First of all, you may have noticed the music during transitions of this episode. That's music from Paul Balash's forthcoming Christmas album. I believe that releases on October 29th. And last episode, we featured music from the latest release from the City Harmonic called Heart. So, the winner is going to receive both those albums, plus we're throwing in an I Worship at Home DVD. Sounds good, right? Also, if you're one of the two runners-up, you'll get a copy of the book we discussed today, Preston Sprinkle's Fight, A Christian Case for Nonviolence. So, what do you need to do to qualify? Anyone who subscribes to our mailing list, which is featured prominently on our front page, is eligible to win. Navigate to the website, and uh, we'll draw at random from the entries received through November 8th and announce the winners on the November 12th episode. If you are already on the mailing list, there's no need to sign up again. You will be entered automatically. So don't waste any time. Get out there to the website, frequency.fm, and sign up. And uh, we're looking forward to giving some stuff away. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And remember, you can connect with us online at frequency.fm. Our Twitter handle is Frequency FM. On Facebook, just look for Facebook slash Frequency FM. And for you adventurous types, you can also find us on Google+. Just search for Frequency.fm. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a quick check-in with our friend Travis Thrasher, who has some exciting news about a forthcoming book to be published. God bless, and don't stop creating in his name. Look into the past, reaching forward to the future, forward to the frequency.